Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. And uh, good morning online. I know uh, a lot of families are going to be watching this. Uh, during the week sometime, we have several families that are out of town because um, it's summer. And, and look, God commands us to rest. Uh, being able to rest shows our confidence and trust in him. So I hope that you never think if you take a vacation that somehow I'm offended that you didn't show up to church. No, if you don't show up for months, then I'm going to start I'll start, you'll, you will hear from me, but then, yeah, I will get offended, but resting and spending time with your family, do it, absolutely. I'm so happy about that. Um, I, somehow, I ended up on our YouTube channel uh, this past week, and it seemed, I, I, I can't think of the word, um, when somebody obsesses on themselves, because um, I was watching myself, I mean, let's be honest, like, I'm... Um, and, and so it, it's kind of funny. I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I, I was reading a book um, about public speaking because I think I am the world's worst public speaker. And so I, I, did, I took this test in, the, in, in this book that's like, here's, here's how to know if you're a good public speaker. Here are these things you can do. And so I went back to look at my videos to answer the questions. And it's like, oh, and, and so yeah, I verified. I much... Much room to grow. Just so you know, I am working on that. So uh, be praying for me so, so I can get better at that. But um, yeah, it, it, it was pretty funny. <clears throat> but I did watch, uh, started with my first sermon here. And I remember in the first couple of minutes talking about how excited I was to be here. And I, I had, I'd lo- you know, had no problem moving from a place that, that, that was a postcard, that was a place that, that people vacationed to be here with you guys. And uh, and I believe that more than ever. <laughs> like, um, I, I love you guys. I love spending time with you guys. I just is the highlight of my week is getting to spend time with you guys. But getting back to my YouTube, my, my YouTube, uh, the rabbit hole that I go down. Um, if one of you is inclined, maybe in your hacking skills, I don't know if we have any hackers here. Um, and the first rule of hacking is like, don't raise your hand, right? Don't let, <laughs> don't let anybody know. Um, but if you were to hack my YouTube account this week, you would get the wrong impression because you would see that I have watched hours and hours about growing a vineyard. <laughs> like you would think, oh, I think James, you know, he has this other career planned. And so um, just watching and, and somehow being fascinated by just watching people prune branches and all the, the, these theories and philosophies about um, why you do that. I learned that California has some of the best vineyards outside of Europe. And so my understanding is Europe is still the, 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 the standard, but that California has good vineyards. And so I don't know. We had, um, at one of my churches, we, had, we took communion with, with wine, and so, I don't know about you guys, I, I'm not adult enough to, to <laughs> understand why this is good. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, but I did learn, you know, in my, in my studies, <clears throat> a, lot, a lot of reasons um, why we would prune and cut branches. I learned that, that one, of the, one of the reasons is, why, why would you cut a, a branch that's producing fruit? Like, that seems counter 
intuitive. And then so I learned, well, if you cut the branch, then you're closer to the energy source. And so you're closer to the sap, right? So you have, I mean, just, and some of you are like, duh, right? So bear with me. <laughs> and so the learning curve for me here. But it, but it makes sense. And also that if the branch is thicker and closer, it could make heavier fruit, right? Because it has more to hold on to. And that makes perfect sense, but it's not something that I really thought about. But then also, why, why do you go and cut branches that aren't bearing fruit? Who cares, right? It's just, well, let's just focus on why use energy to do that instead of focusing on the ones that are bearing fruit. And so what I, what I didn't know also is that the, the, the branches that don't bear fruit use the same amount of energy. And so you want to get rid of those because they are using the same energy as, as the branches that are producing fruit. Get rid of those branches that are using all of that energy. And therefore, right after you do that, that energy is then goes to the other branches. And so within weeks, usually afterwards, if you do it right, that's the season where everything starts to grow. Like get rid of the dead branches, prune back, and then all of a sudden, th this amazing season of change and growth and this knowledge, it's not practical in the sense that we are going to start Vanguard, like a vineyard. <laughs> That's not, you know, but I think this morning it's going to make a lot of sense, especially um, as you can see from the picture, we're going to be talking about the vine who is Jesus, you know, and us who are the branches. And so this will actually make sense uh, why G Jesus uses this picture. And our text today, um, as, as we normally do, we're going to go to John 15. We're just going to keep going through the book of John. And so John 15, verses 1 through 11. And our sermon title today will be The Joy of Fruit Production. So let me pray for us before we get in. Lord, um, I guess all I would really say this morning, Lord, um, is, well, first, uh, take care of those families uh, who um, are vacationing and, and having a good time with you. Uh, may they find a service to go to this morning or time with you. And really my prayer, Lord, is that we would be branches that bear fruit. And so whatever that looks like in our lives, um, would you, uh, by your Holy Spirit, convict us this morning, Lord, of areas that we know should have more fruit. And may we be really honest with ourselves, and may we have this desire uh, to bear much fruit to your glory and our joy, Lord. Amen. So, the vine. Who is the vine? Let's start by reading John 15, 1. This is Jesus talking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So, first off, we learn that, that Jesus is the vine. He is the true vine. And this is the seventh, I don't know if you guys have been memorizing them, but this is the seventh of Jesus' I am sayings. Right? And so these are huge. I do want to take a moment and recall all these. It'll take a minute to go back through all these. But, but this is our God. This, this is our hero. This is our Savior. And these are the things that he wants to be known by. These are those truths that he wants us to remember. And it's like when they talk about me, what are they going to say about me? And you could say, well, he is these things that, that he proclaims. And even as we go through this list, think about over the last, I believe it's six or seven months we've been in John Think about the fact that you kind of know what some of this stuff means now, right? It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, I know that context. I, I know how important that is. So going through these seven I am sayings, 
I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. Now, what I love about this list is that he never says A, right? He never says I, I, I am a door, right? I mean, everything is the, you know, bread, light, door, way, truth, life, shepherd, vine. He is the. There's no doubt about it. He wants you to know he is the absolute, is absolutely these things, things that we need, that, 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 that he saves us by, how he saves us, how he sustains us. All, all these truths are, are in these statements. But then it brings us to, well, what does the true vine mean? What does it mean that he's the true vine? And so I think the way to start this, and maybe this isn't a concept that we are familiar with, but that Jesus is the true Israel. Jesus is the true Israel. Has anybody ever heard that before? All right. We got one person. All right, well then, well, the burden is on me now to prove this. So we'll start this by considering uh, Psalm 80, and we'll be here a couple times. In Psalm 88, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. So who was brought out of Egypt and planted It's Israel. Like there's no other way from reading the Bible that you could look at that and say that's anybody but Israel being talked about here. You know, as Lee spoke of earlier, Isaiah five seven. I think this. I mean, I don't think that there's an argument against this because it says, "For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting." And he looked for justice, but behold bloodshed. You look for righteousness, but behold, outcry. And so Israel is the vine, right? That's what this says. Israel is the vine that the Father planted, right? Israel was chosen, right? God, this is all on God who chose Israel and planted them, but they are not bearing good fruit. They're doing a horrible job of being the people of God, which we've seen. And so this causes God to punish them so that they will bear good fruit, Now, again, going back to Psalm 80 in verses 14 through 18, it says, Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. This is just insane to think about. This is way before Jesus, right? This is, this is, nobody is talking about the idea of Jesus right now. And yet in this psalm, we see this cry from Israel to restore us and is basically saying like, the person at your right hand, like, restore us, right? The Son of Man, like, let him restore us. Like, give us life. And so what we find in Jesus is that truth, right? That, that Jesus is that life. Jesus is the one who, who's going to restore 
In fact, I think we've talked about this, but Jesus uses the term son of man more than any other term. Like that, that's, I believe that is his favorite thing to call himself, the son of man, and we see that in this text. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything Israel was supposed to do and be. And so maybe this is a new concept for people as well, but the people of God are no longer Israel. I think there's a very, very common belief that there's sort of two peoples of God now, right? And so we can, get to, we can go way off topic here, but there's not Christianity and Judaism are two peoples of God. It says here now the people of God are those who are part of the vine. Now Israel was that vine. But when Jesus comes, he doesn't just restore it, like fix it. He makes it perfect because he becomes that vine. And so now you do have Jewish people who are part of the people of God. But it's through belief in Jesus, right? It's belief in his name and being attached to that vine. That is what makes somebody part of the people of God. In addition, this is an interesting I am statement for, for one more reason, and that it's the only one that has, a, has something else to it, like something attached to it, and, and that is, and my father is the vine dresser. And so the father is based, the vine dresser, we don't, we don't, we don't use that term. Does anybody know what a vine dresser is? Yeah, a couple people? <clears throat> And so basically, I think the easy way to explain this is that the father is the planter and the caretaker. He is completely invested. This was his soil. This, this was the seeds he chose. Everything is on God about this. Everything about it growing is based on God. He's responsible for producing fruit. He's the one who knows. He's the only one. He's so intimate with the vine that he knows what has to be cut. Right? Just like if we had a vineyard, we would not hire somebody who hasn't spent years knowing the, these crops, knowing the expectation, knowing who has and hasn't produced fruit. You need somebody who completely understands and knows exactly what they're doing. And so this is all on God. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like, don't worry. Like, everything that's going to happen, all the pruning, all, all the cutting off and pruning of the people of God, you know, even of the local church, God is in control of. And you have to understand that because we'll talk about this because it'll hurt. It hurts when people that are a part of the church are no longer. It hurts. And so it's important to understand that, that, that it is God in charge of all this. We have to believe Jesus when he says that. Reading on into verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so we'll spend the, the rest of this sermon, I think just about all the rest of the time, talking about these two things, branches that bear fruit and branches that, that, that don't bear fruit. But for clarity's sake, I think it's important to understand first, like, well, who are the branches and, and what is the fruit? And so the branches are the people of God. I mean, we've seen that. We just read that in Psalms and Isaiah. Um, we'll see this throughout the New Testament even. These are those who are in Christ. Sustained, right? They're part of the branch. People who are sustained by Christ. And so their life force 
You know, what makes somebody a Christian is that, yes, you are in Christ, but it is Christ who is growing you in his power. These are people who are becoming more like Christ. And then the fruit. And I think this can be misinterpreted. I believe because if you were to ask anybody, well, what is the fruit? How can you show your fruit? What does that mean to prove that you're a Christian? And I think the natural response and I understand this, is to say, well, how many people have you brought to the faith? All right, that's your fruit. How many people have you brought to the Christian faith? I think that's wrong. Because you have no control over that. So uh, I, it's God who produces that fruit. But having said that, if you were to say evangelism, telling people about Jesus, that's a fruit you know, as we talked about last week, there's something about having this new spirit. We're going to do things that we, nobody wants to do. Like, we're just going to tell people about Jesus in our culture. And so I think, I think evangelism is a fruit that definitely proves that you are part of Christ, that you are part of that vine. And for this reason, I do think that the fruit, the easiest way, and there's different ways to say this, but I would say producing fruit is producing Christ-likeness. If you are in Christ, if he is the vine and you're producing fruit, what are you going to produce? You're going to produce fruit that reflects the vine you're part of, right? You're, if you're, if you're on, on, on a vine that produces grapes, you're not going to produce almonds, right? That's not a fruit of being part of, uh, you know, of a grape vineyard. And so I, I will call it Christ-likeness, and you can call it different things, but uh, and these things can be a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of character, something that if you were not part of the vine of Christ, these things would not happen. You know, that's why if you become a Christian and nobody sees you for a while and you bump into them, they're like, who are you? I don't even recognize you. That's good because you have all this fruit they see. They're like, that is not you. Like, that, that is not natural to you. I mean, just consider the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, I think you would agree with me. If you look at the world around us, this isn't what we see, right? We go online, we go on social media. These aren't the character that we see. In, in fact, we might reflect some of these things, but can all of us really say, yes, people would define me by, I would say no. <laughs> like, this is not going to be the list of everything that comes to mind when people start talking about me, but at some point, I think that it should. I just think all these things are supernatural. Like, all these things are spiritual. All these things are supernatural. To get all of them and genuinely, right? Because I think you can kind of do this list. You, you, you can put on, you can make it look like this is you. But what this text is saying is like, this is you. you I mean, this, this, this sap from the vine is coming up through you. This is who you are. This is the fruit that you bear. Now, along with that, church, we have gifts. We have gifts that produce fruit. And so part of producing fruit, and if you're asking yourself, well, 
if you're examining yourself and you're like, oh, I don't know if my fruit, you know, is a good fruit. Well, ask yourself what your gifts are. If you have gifts, you need to be using them. Because that is the fruit, right? God has empowered you, you know, being part of that vine, given you this power to do this thing that, that, that James can't do or Lee can't do or, or somebody else can't do. I mean, just can't. And you have that gift. Well, that is your fruit. Most likely, at least some of your fruit is going to look like your gifting. I'm telling you, it's going to. Now, it can look many ways. I'm not here to make a list of like, here's what it looks like for you to bear fruit. It looks different for everybody. But it has to look like something. I don't, I don't care what it looks like. It, you have to have something to show. Because there are only branches that bear fruit and those that don't. So let's start by looking at the one the text mentions first, which is the branches that don't bear fruit. And so this may seem simple and obvious. Well, it's obvious if somebody doesn't bear fruit. You can, you can tell by their fruit. Then, well, then why didn't anybody know who Judas was? Disciples, like, can't get any closer to Jesus. Discerning guys, and they had no idea. Like, is it me? I mean, they thought, they thought it was themselves, right? They're like, well, I know how wretched I am. Am I going to betray Jesus? And so why is that? Well, it's because, because Judas looked the part. And you can look the part and not be genuine. And so when I was in high school, maybe I've shared this story before. If you hear me preach a while, you'll hear some same stories. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, at least you know they're true if I keep talking about them, right? Or, or I believe they're true. Um, <clears throat> so when I was in high school, um, I hung out with skateboarders. Hung out with a lot of skateboarders. Very good skateboarders who were sponsored. I mean, who, some who went pro, started their own companies. I hung out with them. I had, I had boards that they gave me because they were sponsored. I had legit boards, had legit shoes, everything. But I was a poser. Let's call it what it is. It, but you wouldn't know that. If you drove by and you saw us all together and I'm with, with these awesome skaters and I'm standing there with my board... There's no, it's like, oh, he's part of them. Like, he, he, he's for real. But I wasn't. <laughs> I was not good. I was not good. And I'm not saying you have to be good to not be a poser. But I wasn't good because I didn't commit to my tricks. You know, and I know, Alan's, you know, like, I would start tricks but bail on them. I didn't commit to what I was doing. I didn't submit to people who were teaching me and trust them. That if you're jumping off stairs, it's like, yeah, jump off, you know, do, do a 180 and the board's going to land under you. I had no faith. I had no faith that that board was coming back around and that I was going to land on it. And so the reason I would say I'm a, I was a poser is because I didn't commit or submit to the authority of that group. I had access to all this information. I can wax intellectual on skate culture. I love skateboarders, um, love that culture, but still I would say that I'm not a skater. At the end of the day, that, that was not who I was. But you can look the part. 
And so in the church, you can sing, you can come to community group, you could wax intellectual on the, the, the doctrines of grace, eschatology, pneumatology. You can show hospitality, do Christian stuff, and still not be a Christian. Joining a church doesn't make you Christian. Um, again, it can certainly be a fruit. Joining a church is absolutely a fruit because you have that, that power in you telling you to, to join the church which, which Christ loves and to be part of all this vineyard and branches. But it doesn't mean that you're in. And so we must evaluate our fruit. And I would love to do that with you. I think at this season, honestly, at Vanguard, I've gotten to know everybody at least, like, I think on a good social level, I, I, some of you I've leaned in a little harder with the more that we've met, but I want to walk with you through this, kind of looking at, you know, if this is something you're worried about, then, then let's, let's talk about it, let's pray about it, and let's see what's going on, because everything is at stake. <laughs> everything is at stake. In verse 6, it says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. Thrown, withered, gathered, th burned. Everything is at stake. Well, the interesting thing about this passage is this is not a passage of doom and gloom. This is not a passage of fire and brimstone. This passage is about joy. And so how, how do those things work together? Well, the reality of suffering and fear and terror is to point you, right? So you don't lose focus. It's so maybe this morning where you're sweating a little bit. Oh man, I need to, what does my fruit look like? I don't want to be, to be burned, right? That's not what I want. And so I say this as soberly and... and non-judgmentally as I can, but take a look at your life. Take a look at your life and really be honest with yourself. What are you producing? And this is the truth. I know this is a hard teaching, and but look, I'd rather have you be upset right now. I'd have you be, I'd rather have you be scared right now than thrown into the fire. If you need to be mad at me now, that's fine. I don't want you to be thrown into the fire. And that is why I press in and ask difficult questions. Questions that may offend. Questions that, that you, you might tell me. Like, that's personal. How, how can you... Why are we talking about that? that that's my personal life. Yeah, I do that from the pulpit. I definitely do that in person. And I will ask you about your marriage. I will ask you about how you love your wife or you love your husband. I will ask about your devotional life, about your heart, about your goals, everything that you're doing. Ask you about your purity online. Because I know the joy at stake. And I know the suffering at stake. You shouldn't expect anything less from me. And I don't do that. I don't do it to offend. I don't do it so that you will leave the church. I do it because I love you. And I want you to produce fruit. Because I know by doing that, you're also going to be the most joyful. Examine yourselves for fruit. But here's sort of the other part of this. 
is the fact that the cutting off is for the health of the church. This is the hard, I think this is, it's just as hard to understand that sometimes in church, pieces are removed for your health. Sometimes pieces are removed to make you bear more fruit, to make the church stronger. And I know it hurts. And it looks like different things. Sometimes it looks like scandal, um, disqualification, a church splitting in two, or someone just leaving. It hurts. But don't be discouraged. Because the vineyard belongs to God, right? The Father. And so you have no reason to be discouraged. This should not affect your joy at all. If the Father is in charge and owns everything and Jesus is the source of our power, then we have to believe that when, when pieces are removed, that it is for the health of the church. At least if we're a healthy church. Now, if we're not a healthy church, well, that's a whole different. Maybe they're being shown grace. But seasons of cutting are followed by seasons of growth and change. And I think we've seen this recently with COVID. Oh, man. Now, I was in Colorado for, for I think, the, the brunt of the way COVID affected the church. But from my experience and lots of heartbreak and tears, from my experience and talking to pastors, even uh, as, as recently as this past week about COVID, what, what COVID did is it showed pastors and it really showed everybody where they abided. And so what happened is we figured out some people didn't abide in Christ. Some people weren't in the vine. Some people, they, they abided in fear. Some abided in politics. And they weren't part of the church and they left. And I've heard horror story after horror story. Even at, the, at our conference, we talked about that. We went around the room and talked about all the bad things that happened because of COVID. But after that, you know, we talked, and also in my conversations with people about this, after that, the person will smile. Like, let me tell you about what happened afterwards. After we got rid of everybody, or they didn't get rid of it, but after everybody who was just pretending left, everything was different. Because I knew whoever was there, they were in. Like, it's a different situation. All of a sudden, you see people leave and it hurts, but all of a sudden, the dynamic changes. And I hear story after story, whether, whether it's maybe not growth in numbers, but a culture change or a growth in holiness or a growth in worship. But it all happens through this pruning. And, and I will agree with those who are already saying when we look back on history and we look back at COVID and it was, and, and, and it was a bad thing and is a bad thing. I had it a couple of weeks ago. It was horrible. But when we look back in church history, in our church history books, we're going to look at COVID as being a blessing. It was a purification of the church. Yes, churches came out of COVID smaller but they were the church. And those branches that didn't bear fruit or that were going to bear bad fruit didn't show up or they left. So let's look at the church. Those who bear fruit. 
Now, the first thing you might not expect about those that bear fruits, because they're like, well, that's awesome. We're bearing fruit. We're not going to be cut off. But we are going to be cut. And so in verse 2, again, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So they're cut off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So we are not cut off, but we are still cut. And I think this is also, this, this should encourage us also that this is done for our health and to produce more fruit. Again, understanding that God is in charge, and you know, if you're part of the vineyard, Every trial in your life, circumstance, person, sickness, you know, thorn in your flesh, God is using for you, for you to bear more fruit, to get you closer to himself, right? When, when, you, when you prune, when you cut down, you get closer to the energy source. And so when that happens, it's like, ouch, but also you're, you are now more dependent on God. Not only are you more dependent, but God can do more with you. Because quite often when that happens, what he's doing is getting rid of stuff that's blocking you from him. All of a sudden, you know, I guess it could be like weeds. There's something blocking your health that's blocking you that he wants to remove. And quite frankly, pain is often the thing that removes it. When you reorganize your life and, and make God your priority, now you've moved, you know, that branch has been shortened. And so hard times aren't necessarily punishment, but sometimes blessing. And James echoes this in James 1, 2. Count it all joy, right? Because the issue here is joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials or meet trials of various kinds. What is he talking about? Who thinks like that? The Christian. The Christian thinks like that. Okay, yes, trial starts. Yeah, you know, when, when a bad season starts, trial starts. It's only normal to be upset, to be sometimes angry, hurt. But a Christian, especially a mature Christian, assumes the best and the worst. I mean, that's what James just said. Count this trial joy. And so a Christian assumes if something bad is happening, the end result is good. Like the end result is being closer to God and more fruit. And, there's, and, and therefore, finding joy in trial, because all this, again, is about joy. And it doesn't say that we are not going to face trials, but God knowing that we are, well, you can have joy anyway, even in trials, as crazy as it sounds. In verses 4 and 5, it says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So who bears fruit? Those who abide. Right, that's easy. Well, we just read that. Okay, what's the harder question? How do you abide? <laughs> How do you abide? Well, thankfully, praise God, the, whole, the, the rest of, of this section, these verses, talking about, talk about abiding in Christ. 
Now, abide just means that you remain. I mean, you remain. You are not moved. You are not going anywhere. You, this is where you are going to abide. And so let's look at three ways to abide in Christ based just on these couple of verses. And um, again, nothing you haven't heard before. Not, nothing new. Abide in Christ by reading the Bible. Beginning in verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Do we know we're supposed to read the Bible? Yes, yes, read the Bible. But interesting, the interesting thing about this, this verse here is that it says that his word is supposed to abide in us. Right? So it's not just read. The word has to abide in us, and that's where it gets trickier, and you have to be more intentional. It's not just about appeasing this obligation you have to read and checking off a box and thinking, I'm done, I did it, I read it, because that's not abiding. That's not you abiding in the Word or the Word abiding in you. This comes from reading with passion and submission and not believing what you want it to say, but what it actually says. That's when you know it's abiding, when you believe what it says. And so one key way to do this is actually the second way to abide, which is abide in Christ by prayer. The second half of verse 7, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so don't, get, don't, don't misunderstand this. Like don't, don't believe the health and wealth fiends out there who are going to spew this nonsense that, that somehow God is a genie or a cosmic vending machine. That is not the context right here. This is about abiding. This is about being close to God and producing fruit. So the prayer here is to get closer to God, produce fruit, and therefore have more joy. What this also means is that if you are staring at your Bible, maybe this week, and you're going to say, abide, right? Like, how do I get the word to abide in me? Well, we have access through prayer. Like, we have, we're attached to the vine, to the source, and therefore, by prayer, it's saying, like, talk to God through this. If you want the word to abide in you, ask God. You know, we learned a couple of weeks ago, the Holy Spirit is in us, like, wants to do that. Holy Spirit is more than happy. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. It doesn't want to just always tell you not to look at something. It wants you to help the word abide in you. And so we have access to that. It's in prayer, it's like that interaction in the vine with the sap, right? And the power source and the source of life and health and growth. And so abide by praying. And then abide by keeping his word. Again, nothing new here. Verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And if this sounds familiar, it's because that's what we talked about, uh, it was two, three weeks ago. If you love God, what do you do? You obey, right? So it's obedient. It's pretty simple. It's pretty direct. It's true. And so your obedience out of love causes you to abide in Christ. Not only that, abide in his love. And so we see that dynamic relationship again between the vine and the branches. You know, Christ draws us with his love and, and us coming to Jesus and being in awe and repenting and being obedient. You know, we go out and do these things, which shows our love, 
we're abiding in his love. And so what you have is like you get caught in this circle and that's where you want to be. This is, this is the circle you want to get caught up in of awe and repentance. This is what causes you to abide. abide. And so that's why you read the Bible and that's why you pray because you don't want to get out of this. We don't want to get out of abiding. So we read, oh yeah, I want to bear fruit. I don't want to be thrown into the fire. I feel like I'm not producing fruit. God, help me produce fruit. And then actually do it. And we do those things, we abide. We get closer and closer to God. Which is why if you've met with me and you asked and said, ah, I don't feel, I'm not feeling it right now. And I'll always bring up the same things. These three things. The application of every sermon ever. Read the Bible, pray, do what God says. Right? And so, again, Jesus is saying this. This is how you abide. It is not a secret. And if we do that, that means we're disciples. And if we're disciples, we have joy. And so in verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And so in conclusion this morning, yes, there is this somber warning. You do not want to be thrown into the fire. That, that is not the goal. But you want to make sure you're a disciple by your fruit. The whole aim of this is joy, not fear. Listen to the words of Jesus in verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So everything that Jesus said, the aim is joy. Right? Be obedient out of joy. Read your Bible you know, to get joy. You do all these things, you're going to produce fruit. You're going to be a disciple and you're going to have joy, which is good because we need joy. We step out into the world. Maybe we stay in our own houses and, and quite frankly, not a lot of joy. And so we need joy today. We need joy now. And even as Vanguard Bible Church, our goal has to be to have this joy. You know, I've been thinking about this and praying about this a lot. We can't wait to have joy until we find a new building. We can't wait to have joy when we have more people come. If, if that is our God, our goal, our idol, then we are not going to have joy. Those things we want come after we have joy. And so I just want to make sure that the goal of our church is to abide in Christ, grow in Christ, produce fruit, and have joy. And then, I, I truly believe out of that is when we take next steps. And gosh, I would hate to skip some steps and just do something else if we haven't got being a disciple and having joy right. So let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.